you guys, my name is Noelle. I'm one of the pastors here, um, and I'm so glad that you're here on a Saturday night. So good. Um, well, if you've been with us, we've been in this series called what? Already Loved, right? And so we're going to continue on in our Already Loved series. But you might notice we have something going on up here. Uh, Eden, what does this cup say? It says, am I loved? And you guys, this is a question I believe we are all asking whether we know it or not. And this whole series has been about that we need to take this question to God and he will provide the answer for us. Am I loved? Yes, right? And he's the only one who can truly fill our cup, right, to answer this question. And when we let him answer this question, it changes how we love in every single other relationship in our life. So we're going to focus on another relationship tonight. And tonight we're going to talk about dating and romantic relationships. Everybody say, whoa. Whoa. Okay. So listen up. We know you can handle it. We know you can. And so before we dive in, here's one of the most important things. Listen up. This is such an important thing to talk about with your parents, okay? You need to talk about dating and romantic relationships with your parents. And when we talk about it tonight, this isn't the pastor saying like, hey, yeah, go and date right now. No, you guys, you guys are middle schoolers. You don't really need to even date right now, to be honest. So why are we talking about it ultimately? We are talking about it, one, so that when the time does come in the future, you are totally ready. And two, you might have some things that you can start if you haven't talked about this with your parents. You can tell them, hey, we talked about this at church tonight. I want to talk about this with you, parents. And you guys, we want to ultimately listen and obey the Bible, and we want to listen and obey our parents in terms of dating. Make sense? Perfect. Well, let's dive into our text for tonight. Uh, it's from Colossians 2, chapters 8 through 10. And here's what it says. Don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that comes from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of this world rather than from Christ. For in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body. So you also are complete through your union with Christ, who is head over every ruler and authority. Okay, so in this part of the Bible, Paul is talking to a church that's struggling so, because some teachers had come in and they were teaching like totally wrong stuff. And so in this part of the letter, Paul is telling the people, hey, don't believe them. Don't follow them. Don't trust them, right? You don't want to trust or follow or believe anybody that's crediting humanity instead of Jesus to answer the problems of this world. You don't want to listen to anybody who's saying, hey, salvation can be found over here instead of in Jesus. So right now, you guys, there is a high-sounding, empty philosophy that's being taught in our culture. And you know what it's saying? It's saying romantic love is what's going to be com like completing you and rescuing you. 
that romantic love is going to solve all of your problems one day. That romantic love is what's truly going to satisfy you. That's the lie that culture is saying. Culture, it's saying, hey, your question, am I loved? You're going to take that to a crush. You're going to take that to a boyfriend or girlfriend. Or you're going to take that even to a future husband and wife. And they are going to be the one to answer that question. They're going to be the one to fill up your cup. But you guys, that's not what we see in the Bible. What we see in the Bible and the first point for tonight is romantic love doesn't complete you. Christ's love completes you. Romantic love doesn't complete you. Christ's love completes you. Okay, we have to get clear on the word love because in English, like, we say, like, I love my son, and we say, I love cookies, right? Like, we use the same word. But obviously, like, I love my son a lot more than I love cookies. But I don't have, like, a different word to use, right? Well, in Greek, which is the language that the New Testament is written in, it's really handy because they actually have a few different words for the word love. And so we're going to talk about two different words for the word love that describe different loves tonight. And the first one is eros love. Can you say eros love? And the second one is agape love. Can you say agape love? Okay, so what are these two different words for love? Well, eros love means romantic love kind of what we started to talk about. And it can even be a sexual love. Agape love, though, agape love is the word that we primarily see in the New Testament. And you guys, agape love, it's so much more than just a feeling that you have inside. Agape love is described in 1 John 4:10 when it says, this is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. So another definition of agape love, to summarize this, says agape love is a determined act of the, of the will, a joyful resolve to put the welfare of somebody else above your own. You guys, where do we see agape love in the fullest? We see agape love in the fullest on the cross, right? Jesus, at utmost cost to himself, laid down his life so that if you repent and believe, you might have total forgiveness of your sin. You can have complete restoration. And you can have life eternal reconciled back to God and living forever in his eternal inseparable love. Guys, there's no greater act of love than this, right? So my question, am I loved? If I take that to the cross, guess what? The answer is yes, absolutely. You are loved to the fullest, right? So six, seven, eight. Here's what I need you to hear tonight. Agape love is what completes you, not eros love. And agape love is what's already been offered to you in Jesus, right? 
like our Colossians passage said, you are complete through your union with Christ. You're complete. Okay, where does this leave eros love in our life, though? Like, where does this leave romantic love? You guys, romantic love isn't bad. And you guys, romantic love, God made romantic love. He made marriage. And the whole reason why we date is to learn about ourselves, but also to discern if the person that we're dating is a good fit for marriage, right? So I don't want you to leave here tonight and be like, oh, God hates Valentine's Day, right? No, no, God made romantic love, right? But there is something that God hates. God hates idolatry. And idolatry is when we take something, we put it in God's place, and then we start to worship that instead. And so when we have our question, am I loved, and we take that to a boyfriend, a girlfriend, or a crush, or a husband, or a wife, and say, hey, you are going to be the one, the only one to answer this question for me, that's starting to become idolatry, right? That's putting eros love above agape love, and we don't want to be idolaters. We want to be worshiping God and his love for us. So six, seven, eight. It's also bad because eros love, if that's our primary source of love in life, we're never going to be satisfied. Never, right? There's a story in the Bible um, about a woman at a well, and she's talking with Jesus. And they're talking, talking, talking. And Jesus is like, hey, why don't you go tell your husband about what we are talking about? And the woman goes, oh, I, I don't have a husband. And Jesus goes, I know, you've had five husbands, and the person you're with right now isn't your husband. Oh, why is Jesus bringing that out? Jesus is bringing that up, you know why? Because he's saying, hey, you know what, I, I see what you're doing. You went to the first relationship and said, fill me up, fill me up, fill me up, and then it didn't work out, and you were empty. So you went to the second relationship, fill me up, fill me up, fill me up, and it didn't work out, and then you were left empty. And you guys, this woman, she's doing that over and over and over again because she's not satisfied, right? So Jesus, in the best way possible, says, hey, I have something better. In John chapter 4, verse 13, let's look what he says to her. He says, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. You guys, you see, if we are like the woman at the well, and in the future we run to romantic relationships to try and fill us up, we're going to be left feeling empty, right? And so we need that life and love that Jesus is talking about in this passage to satisfy us. It looks like this, right? Because Jesus says it's a steady stream that's just going on and on and on forever. So it's pouring, answering our question, right? And we're living under the steady stream of God's love and his spirit poured out on us. And so first and foremost, right, we're satisfied. We're filled, right? But then what starts to happen? We start to overflow, right? 
And so we can come to romantic relationships. We can come to any relationship in our life ready to overflow love, right? Ready to give instead of ready to take. So six, seven, eight, what I want you to hear is if you date one day, we want to date full, right? We don't want to date empty ultimately. And we can only be full and satisfied in God's love. So this leads us to our next point. You can look at it on your handout too. It says, romantic relationships weren't designed to replace God's love, but they were designed to reflect God's love. They weren't designed to replace God's love. They were designed to reflect God's love. So super important, romantic relationships that reflect God's love are the romantic relationships that are described within the boundaries of what scripture outlines for us. We talked about that in depth last week, right? And you guys, there's so many reasons why romantic love shouldn't replace God's love in our life, right? But can I tell you one of them? There's not going to be any marriage in heaven. Like when the person you marry on earth, you're not going to be married to them in heaven. Why would God put an expiration date on marriage like that, right? He's doing that because ultimately we're going to be married to Jesus in heaven. Whoa, what does that mean, right? Let's break that down. If you look in the Bible, like in Ephesians 5 and in the book of Revelation, there's this image of the church, and the church is all the believers in Jesus. And they're symbolized as a bride. They're the bride of Christ. And the whole Bible is leading up to Jesus coming back. And you know what it's going to be? A wedding party where the church, the bride, marries Jesus. And so if you're in Christ, if you're a Christian, you're part of the bride of Christ. Okay, what does this mean? It means we're looking forward to being eternally married to Jesus. And this isn't in like some like weird, creepy way. But remember, marriage is ultimately about union, right? Union. And so being married to Jesus for eternity, all the believers are going to get to experience perfect union with God. Perfect union with Jesus. So marriage with another person here on earth, you guys, it's just like a teeny, tiny shadow of an infinitely more glorious union forever with Jesus. Okay, so why can we be okay here on earth if we never get married or if we never have a romantic relationship? Well, number one, we can be okay because eros love isn't required to be satisfied. Agape love is, right? And if you're like, oh, but that sounds really hard, right? To not be married one day, maybe. Guess what? Jesus wasn't married. Jesus didn't have Eros love. And he lived the fullest life ever, right? The second reason we can be okay without it is because we're all ultimately going to be satisfied in God's eternal love and God's perfect union. And that's why the Bible, when it talks about marriage and it talks about singleness, it talks about both of them being awesome, both of them being so purposeful, and both of them being amazing because we're all ultimately going to have that union in heaven. But lastly, 
we can be okay because marriage and romantic love, they're just one place that we reflect God's love. And there's so many other amazing places that we can reflect God's love too. Like serving people, that reflects God's love, right? And our friendships, that reflects God's love. Or our relationship with our family members, that's a way that we can reflect God's love. And so you can experience agape love from God directly, and you can experience agape love through the body of Christ, through the church. Okay, I understand I'm already loved, right? I understand that I can be totally satisfied and filled in God when the time comes in the future and my parents know about it, right? How do I date already loved? How does being loved by God change how I date? We're going to go through five T's that talk about how we can date already loved. So the first one is to treasure God. Say treasure God. So we want to be people who are rooted in God's love. So before you ever go on a date, be rooted in God's love. But then when you do start to date, if you start to date, make sure you don't drift away from that love. Stay rooted in that love. You guys remember, we want to come to relationships being boyfriends and girlfriends who are already filled up, right? So we have to stay rooted in his love. How do we stay rooted in his love? We read the Bible and we learn about his love. And we pray and we talk with God, right? Because we experience his love there. So stay rooted and filled up in God's love. The next one is teachable heart. Say teachable heart. You want to have a teachable heart. And this means we need to listen to our godly parents about dating. And we need to listen to wise counselors in our lives. So if your parents have any boundaries around dating, you need to listen and follow and obey those boundaries. So if your parents say, hey, you can't date until you're 16, don't date until you're 16. And even if that feels really hard, remember, you're going to be okay because you're already loved, right? And remember, we talked about honoring our parents. You guys, one way that we honor them is by obeying these boundaries and saying, hey, mom and dad, hey, family, I see that you set these boundaries for God's glory and for my good, so I'm going to trust you on them. So we need to listen to the parameters our parents set. When we also, when we do start dating, we want to make sure that we have some wise counselors in addition to our parents speaking into our future relationships. So we want to make sure that we have other people in our lives, like our pastors, our life group leaders, our mentors, because sometimes you can have some blind spots in dating. And when you have other adults speaking into your life, they can help you see it. They can help you see, hey, is this relationship honoring God or is it not? So make sure you have a teachable heart for your parents and for wise counselors. Our next one is towards God. Can you say towards God? So we always want our relationships to be moving towards God. And so for it to be moving towards God, you need to be dating somebody who is, has a rooted relationship with Jesus, whose life has evidence that they're in a relationship with Jesus. And so, CA students, to date towards God means that if a relationship isn't helping you or the other person love God more, 
that it's not a relationship that's worth being in, right? Because our lives are whole life worship, and God cares about how we date, and he wants us to worship him how we date. Aiden, you can join me up here. You guys, I've seen this happen over and over and over again. And what happens is somebody's going after Jesus, they're growing in their relationship with God, and it's awesome, right? And then a cute boy or a cute girl comes along, and they don't love Jesus, but they kind of like that person, right? And what can start to happen if you're not rooted in this is it kind of feels good to be liked. So you might start to turn and be like, oh, it feels nice, right? And what I've seen happen over and over when somebody who's following after Jesus dates somebody who isn't following after Jesus is this person starts to drift away from Jesus, away from Jesus, away from Jesus. And when the relationship doesn't work out, you know what happens? You know what I've heard over and over is, oh man, I wish I didn't drift so far from Jesus. And they run back to him. So six, seven, eight, we want to make sure that we're dating in a way that we're running after Jesus. And to do that, we want to date other people who are running after Jesus too. Let's not compromise on this, okay? The next one is talking boundaries. Can you say talking boundaries? So there's two different boundaries, and maybe you've talked about this before, but we also need to have physical boundaries in our relationship. And with physical boundaries, our first priority is to honor God, ultimately, right? We want to have a soft, tender heart for that. And second, we need to follow the physical boundaries that our parents set for us in honoring them, right? And so in addition to physical boundaries, though, we need to have some emotional boundaries. We need to have some talking boundaries. What do I mean by this? Have you ever noticed when somebody is in a relationship and they get broken up with, they're just like, can be so crushed? The reason they might be so crushed is because they were emotionally connected beyond what was okay for that relationship. And so some ways you can think about emotional boundaries, you can think of talking boundaries, is thinking about the quantity of your talking and the quality of your talking. So by quantity, let's make sure like if we do get in a relationship one day in the future that we're not spending all of our time with our boyfriend or girlfriend only talking to them, right? We want to keep the friendships in our life, right? We want to keep our family relationships. So make sure you're uh, talking to more than just your boyfriend or girlfriend. But then the quality of what you're talking about as well. You need to watch what you're talking about too. And like we need to be careful because if we say to a boyfriend or girlfriend, I will always, 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 always love you. And then we don't. That could really hurt their hearts, right? And ultimately, always, always, always loving, that's for marriage, right? That's what marriage is. So you want to be careful and make sure you're talking in a way that doesn't act like you're already married when you're just dating. Does that make sense? All right. Our last one is take your time. Take your time. And six, seven, eight, we get to take our time. We get to take the pressure off when it comes to dating because ultimately, you're in middle school, right? There's not a rush to date. And so because you're already loved, right, we don't have to be consumed by dating. If everybody else around us is dating, right, we can be okay, right? 
and you ultimately have so much time, six, seven, eight. As we wrap up, I want you to remember that we get our question answered and our soul-sustaining satisfaction in Jesus' agape love for us, right? And so 678, can we make it our mission to be people who run after Jesus and say, hey, I'm going to be so satisfied in God right now. I'm going to be so satisfied in him. And as we run after that, right, if we get married one day, guess what? I'm going to be so satisfied when I'm married in God. I'm going to be so satisfied in God. But then if I don't get married one day, guess what? I'm going to be so satisfied in God. So 678, would you guys say a prayer with me? Yeah, Jesus, we take this moment even now. We're talking so much about your love, God. And man, it would be a miss to not stop and just think about your love for us to think about the cross, to think about that you paid it all so that we might know your love, so we might experience your love, so we might be held forever in your love. So Jesus, I just pray right now that as we look at your love, would that compel us to just run after you even further, Lord? If there's anything we need to leave behind, any sin we need to say no to, would we say no to it in light of your love, God? And God, where we just need a reminder you are loved. You are loved. Would we receive that reminder right now? We love you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen.